Okay, so we are going to start chapter eight today. It's called Gift for the Darkness. Remind me what happened in chapter seven. What just happened? Um, Carson? Yes, so Ralph felt that, that, that lure of the hunt, right? Yeah, so he, he realized why Jack likes it so much, because he actually, you know, stuck a pig. Yeah, that was Robert, right? Not not Roger. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, Roger would never, I don't think anybody, I don't think he'd let anybody lay a hand on him. Um, so they were, they circled up on Robert, right? And they were pretending to beat him. Well, they actually were somewhat. They just didn't do any real harm. Um, yeah, so they went up that mountain and they found the beast, right? Now, it's one thing for Sam and Eric to have said they saw the beast at the top of the mountain. Is it going to be a completely different thing when Jack and Ralph say they saw the beast on the mountain? Yeah. Okay, so are we ready? Piggy looked up miserably from the dawn pale beach to the dark mountain. Are you sure? Really sure, I mean? I told you a dozen times now, said Ralph. We saw it. Do you think we're safe down here? How the hell should I know? Ralph jerked away from him and walked a few paces along the beach. Jack was kneeling and drawing a circular pattern in the sand with his forefinger. Piggy's voice came to them hushed. Are you sure? Really? Go up and see, said Jack contemptuously, and good riddance. No fear. The beast had teeth, said Ralph, and, a big, and big black eyes. He shuddered violently. Piggy took off his one round glass and polished the surface. What are we going to do? Ralph turned towards the platform. The conch glimmered among the trees, a white blob against the place where the sun would rise. He pushed back his mop. I don't know. He remembered the panic flight down the mountainside. I don't think we'd ever fight a thing that size, honestly, you know. We'd talk, but we wouldn't fight a tiger. We'd hide. Even Jack would hide. Jack still looked at the sand. What about my hunters? Simon came stealing out of the shadows by the shelters. Ralph ignored Jack's question. He pointed to the touch of yellow above the sea. As long as there's light, we're brave enough. But then, and now that thing sits by the fire as though it didn't want us to be rescued. Do you see what, what um, inference Ralph makes there? Where's that beast sitting? Where the fire is. Like it's stopping them from being able to be rescued, right? He was twisting his hands now unconsciously. His voice rose. So we can't have a signal fire. We're beaten. A point of gold appeared above the sea and once all the sky lightened. What about my hunters? Boys armed with sticks. Jack got to his feet. His face was red as he marched away. Piggy put on his one glass and looked at Ralph. Now you've done it. You've been rude about his hunters. Oh, shut up. Okay. So he did just completely insult Jack's hunters, right? I need to look to see if there's anything in this workbook that I want you to look at. Yes? Yeah. We are keeping them split.
Okay, bye. I can't make a new decision every single day, people. Okay, um, okay, there's nothing in the workbook until focus on illusion. The sound of the inexpertly blown conch interrupted them as though he were serenading the rising sun. Jack went on blowing till the shelters were astir and the hunters crept to the platform and the little ones whimpered as now they so frequently did. Who just called a meeting? Jack. Has he ever done that? No. What's he trying to do here? What? Well, he's mad at this point. Why is he mad? Yes, he basically said his hunters were no good, right? He said boys armed with sticks, even though was that the truth? Could they feed, Could they um, actually fight a tiger or an actual beast? No. They could try. Ralph rose obediently and piggy, and they went to the platform. Talk, said Ralph bitterly. Talk, talk, talk. He took the conch from Jack. This meeting, Jack interrupted him. I called it. If you hadn't called it, I should have. You just blew the conch. Well, isn't that calling it? Oh, take it. Go on and talk. Ralph thrust the conch into Jack's arms and sat down on the trunk. I've called an assembly, said Jack, because a lot of things. First, you know now we've seen the beast. We crawled up. We were only a few feet away. The beast sat up and looked at us. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it does. We don't even know what it is. The beast comes out of the sea, out of the dark trees. Quiet, shouted Jack. You listen. The beast is sitting up there, whatever it is. Perhaps it's waiting, hunting. Yes, hunting. Hunting, said Jack. He remembered his age-old tremors in the forest. Yes, the beast is a hunter. Only shut up. The next thing is that we couldn't kill it. And the next is that Ralph said my hunters are no good. Did he actually say that? No, he did not say that. Is uh, Jack ex exaggerating here? Yeah. I never said that. I've got the conch. Ralph thinks you're cowards, running away from the boar and the beast. And that's not all. There was a kind of sigh on the platform as if everyone knew what was coming. Jack's voice went up, tremulous yet determined, pushing against the uncooperative silence. He's like Piggy. He says things like Piggy. He isn't a proper chief. Jack clutched the conch to him. He's a coward himself. For a moment he paused and then went on. On top, when Roger and me went on, he stayed back. Is that how that went down? No. What? How did that actually go down on the top of the mountain? Who actually went up that mountain by themselves? Jack did, didn't he? Didn't Jack, when they got to the top of the mountain, Roger and Ralph sat back and Jack went. And then he came back saying... That he would like that he saw it. Uh, 
Okay, so on page 121, okay, is when they, Ralph says, or Jack says, are you scared? And he says, of course I am. We're still being fools. If you don't go, if you don't want to go on, said the voice sarcastically, I'll go up by myself. Okay, and then Ralph yelled at Jack, go on, then we'll wait here. Why don't you go? Are you frightened? A stain in the darkness, a stain that was Jack, detached itself and began to draw away. All right, so long. And so Jack went and left Roger and Ralph there. And then he comes running back. And he says, I saw a thing on top. And then all three of them went and saw it. Okay, so that's how that all played out. So this is not, he is not correct here, correct? He's lying. I went on too, said Ralph. Ralph. Then I ran away. So did you. Call me a coward then. Jack turned to the hunters. He's not a hunter. He never, he'd never have got us meat. He isn't a prefect and we don't know anything about him. He just gives orders and expects people to obey for nothing. All this talk, all this talk, shouted Ralph. Talk, talk. Who wanted it? Who called the meeting? Jack turned red in the face. His chin sunk back. He glowered up under his eyebrows. All right then. He said in tones of deep meaning and menace, all right. He held the conch against his chest with one hand and stabbed the air with his index finger. Who thinks Ralph oughtn't to be chief? Ooh, he's trying to do what? What's he trying to do? Yeah, he's trying to start a mutiny here, you guys. He's trying to, um, he's trying to get people to say that Ralph should not be the leader. Okay. He looked expectantly at the boys arranged around who had frozen. Under the palms, there was deadly silence. Hands up, said Jack strongly. Whoever wants Ralph not to be chief. The silence continued, breathless and heavy and full of shame. Did anybody raise their hand, you guys? No. Slowly, the red drained from Jack's cheeks, then came back with a painful rush. He licked his lips and turned his head at an angle so that his gaze avoided the embarrassment of blinking with another's eye. How many think his voice trailed off? The hands that held the conch shook. He cleared his throat and spoke loudly. All right, then. He laid the conch with great care in the grass at his feet. The humiliating tears were running from the corner of each eye. I'm not going to play any longer. Not with you. How is Jack still viewing all of this? He's looking at it as a game. Like, this is a game. Is that how Ralph is looking at this situation? No, not at all. Most of the boys were looking down now at the grass or their feet. Jack cleared his throat again. I'm not going to be a part of Ralph's lot. He looked along the right-hand logs, numbering the hunters that had been acquired. I'm going off by myself. He can catch his own pigs. Anyone who wants to hunt when I do can come too. He blundered out of the triangle towards the drop to the white sand. Jack! Jack turned and looked back at Ralph. For a moment, he paused and then cried out, high-pitched, enraged. No! He leapt down from the platform and ran along the beach, paying no heed to the steady fall of his tears. And until he dived into the forest, Ralph watched him. So this is where we divide our island. Okay? Jack's decided he does not want to be with Ralph, so he is going off on his own. 
they have their relationship is now a complete split and this is what did it okay piggy was indignant i've been talking ralph and you just stood there like softly looking at piggy and not seeing him ralph spoke to himself he'll come back when the sun goes down he'll come he looked at the couch in piggy's hand what well there piggy gave up the attempt to rebuke ralph he polished his glass again and went back to his subject. We can do without Jack Meridu. There's others besides him on this island. But now we really got a beast, though I can't hardly believe it. We'll need to stay close to the platform. There'll be less need of him and his hunters. So now we can really decide on what's what. There's no help, Piggy. Nothing to be done. For a while, they sat in depressed silence. Then Simon stood up and took the conch from Piggy, who was so astonished that he remained on his feet. Ralph looked up at Simon. Simon, what is it this time? A half sound of jeering ran around the circle and Simon shrank from it. I thought there might be something to do. Something we, again, the pressure of the assembly took his voice away. He sought for help and sympathy and chose Piggy. He turned half towards him, clutching the conch to his brown chest. I think we ought to climb the mountain. What does Simon say we should do? Every time they've climbed that mountain and they've seen the beast. What? And what time of the day was it? It was dark. Have they inspected this beast in the daylight? If they were to go up there during the day, what would they realize? That what, that what is it? What is this beast? The parachute guy, right? The circle shivered with dread. Simon broke off and turned to Piggy, who was looking at him with an expression of derisive incomprehension. What's the good of climbing up this here climbing up to this here beast when Rolf said the other two couldn't do nothing. Simon whispered his answer. What else is there to do? His speech made, he allowed Piggy to lift the conch out of his hands. Then he retired and sat as far away from the others as possible. Piggy was speaking now with more assurance and with what if the circumstances had not been so serious, the others would have recognized as pleasure. Why is Piggy so confident now? Yeah, Piggy is good because Jack isn't there. I said we could do, we could all do without a certain person. Now I say we got to decide on what can be done. And I think I could tell you what Ralph's going to say next. The most important thing on the island is the smoke, and you can't have no smoke without a fire. Ralph made a restless movement. No go, Piggy. We've got no fire. That thing sits up there. We'll have to stay here. Piggy lifted the conch as though to add power to his next words. We got no fire on the mountain. But what's wrong with a fire down here? A fire could be built on them rocks, on the sand even. We could make smoke just the same. That's right, smoke by the bathing pool. The boys began to babble. Only Piggy could have the intellectual daring to suggest moving the fire from the mountain. So we'll have the fire down here, said Ralph. He looked about him. We can build it just here between the bathing pool and the platform, of course. I did do attendance. Today's Wednesday, right?
Where am I? Okay, so we can build it just here between the bathing pool and the platform, of course. He broke off, frowning, thinking the thing out, unconsciously tugging at the stub of a nail with his teeth. Of course, the smoke won't show so much, not be, see, not be seen so far away, but we needn't go near near the, the others nodded in perfect comprehension. There would be no, near, no need to go near. We'll build the fire now. The greatest ideas are the simplest. Now there was something to be done. They worked with passion. Piggy was so full of delight in expanding liberty in Jack's departure, so full of pride in his contribution to the good of society, that he helped to fetch wood. The wood he fetched was close at hand, a fallen tree on the platform, that they did not need for the assembly. Yet, to the others, the sanctity of the platform had protected even what was useless there. Then the twins realized that they would have a fire near them as a comfort in the night, and this set a few little ones dancing and clapping hands. Seriously, my attendance is not posting. The wood was not so dry as the fuel they had used on the mountain. Much of it was simply damp. damp. <laughs> she was looking at yesterday's attendance. Um, full of insects that scurried. Logs had to be lifted from the soil with care or they crumbled into sodden powder. More than this, in order to avoid going deep into the forest, the boys worked near at hand on any fallen wood, no matter how tangled with new growth. The skirts of the forest and the scar were familiar, near the conch and the shelters, and sufficiently friendly in daylight. What they might become in darkness, nobody cared to think. They worked, therefore, with great energy and cheerfulness. Though uh, as time crept by, there was a suggestion of panic in the energy and hysteria in the cheerfulness. They built a pyramid of leaves and twigs, branches and logs, on the bare sand by the platform. The first time on the island, Piggy himself removed his one glass, knelt down, and focused the sun on tinder. Soon there was a ceiling of smoke and a bush of yellow flame. The little ones, who had seen few fires since the first catastrophe, became wildly excited. They danced and sang, and there was a partyish air about the gathering. At last, Ralph stopped working, stood up, and smudging the sweat from his face with a dirty forearm. We'll have to have a small fire. This one's too big to keep up. Piggy sat down carefully on the sand and began to polish his glass. We could experiment. We could find out how to make a small hot fire and then put green branches on to make a, to make smoke. Some of them leaves might must be better for that than the others. As the fire died down, so did the excitement. The little ones stopped singing and dancing and drifted away towards the sea or the fruit trees or the shelters. Ralph dropped down in the sand. We'll have to make a new list of who's to look after the fire. If you can find them, he looked around. Then, for the first time, he saw how few big ones there were and understood why the work had been so hard. Where's Maurice? Piggy wiped his glass again. I expect, no, he wouldn't go into the forest by himself, would he? Ralph jumped up, ran swiftly around the fire, and stood up, stood by Piggy, holding up his hair. But we've got to have a list. There's you and me and Sam and Eric, and he would not look at Piggy, but spoke casually. Where's Bill and Roger? Piggy leaned forward and put a fragment of wood on the fire. I expect they've gone. I expect they won't play either. Ralph sat down and began to poke little holes in the sand. He was surprised to see that one had one had a drop of blood by it. 
He examined his bitten nail closely and watched the little globe of blood that gathered there, where the quick was not away. Piggy went on speaking. I seen them stealing off when we was gathering wood. They went that way, the same way as he went himself. Ralph finished his inspection and looked up into the air. The sky, as if in sympathy with the great changes among them, was different today, and so misty that in some places the hot air seemed white. The disk of the sun was dull silver, as though it were nearer and not so hot, yet the air stifled. I'm going to tell you, I want you guys to pay attention in this chapter and in the next of the weather and how he describes, like, the weather, okay? William Golding is going to create some major imagery with his descriptions um, of what's going on on this island, okay? They've always been making trouble, haven't they? The voice came near his shoulder and sounded anxious. We can do without him. We'll be happier now, won't we? Ralph sat. The twins came, dragging a great log and grinning in their triumph. They dumped the log among the embers so that the sparks flew. We can do all right on our own, can't we? For a long time, while the log dried, caught fire, and turned red hot. Ralph sat in the sand and said nothing. He did not see Piggy go to the twins and whisper to them, nor how the three boys went together into the forest. Here you are. He came to himself with a jolt. Piggy and the other two were by him. I lost my spot. They were laden with fruit. I thought perhaps, said Piggy, we ought to have a feast, kind of. The three boys sat down. They had a great mass of the fruit with them, and all of it properly ripe. They grinned at Ralph as he took some and began to eat. Thanks, he said. Then with an accent of pleased surprise, thanks. Do all right on our own, said Piggy. It's them that haven't no common sense that make trouble on this island. We'll make a little hot fire. Ralph remembered what, he had, what had been worrying him. Where's Simon? I don't know. I don't think he's climbing the mountain. Piggy broke into a noisy laughter and took more fruit. He might be. He gulped his mouth. He's cracked. Okay, so Simon had passed through the area of fruit trees, but today the little ones had been too busy with the fire on the beach. They had not pursued him there. He went on among the creepers until he reached the great mat that was woven by the open space and crawled inside. So where is he at? He's in his little sanctuary area. Beyond the screen of leaves, the sunlight pelted down and the butterflies danced in the middle, their unending dance. Remember, butterflies. He knelt down and the arrow of the sun fell on him. That other time, the air had seemed to vibrate with heat, but now it threatened. See, these are the little things I want you guys to notice. Saying that the air had seemed to vibrate with heat, but now it threatened. Like the, hot, the air is so hot, it seems threatening. Soon the sweat was running from his long, coarse hair. He shifted restlessly, but there was no avoiding the sun. Presently, he was thirsty, and then very thirsty. He continued to sit. Far off along the beach, Jack was standing before a small group of boys. He was looking brilliantly happy. Hunting, he said. He sized them up. Each of them wore the remains of a black cap, and ages ago they had stood in two demure rows, and their voices had been the song of angels. We'll hunt. I'm going to be chief. They nodded, and the crisis passed easily. And then, about the beast. They moved, looked at the forest. I say this. We aren't going to bother about the beast. 
He nodded at them. We're going to forget the beast. That's right. Yes, forget the beast. If Jack was astonished by their fervor, he did not show it. And another thing. We shan't dream so much down here. This is near the end of the island. They agreed passionately out of the depths of their tormented private lives. Can you do that? Can you say, we're not going to dream? No, you don't get to control your own dreams. Now listen, we might go later to the Castle Rock, but now I'm going to get more of the big uns away from the conch and all that. We'll kill a pig and give a feast. He paused and went on more slowly. And about the beast. When we kill, we'll leave some of the kill for it. Then it won't bother us, maybe. He stood up abruptly. We'll go into the forest now and hunt. He turned and trotted away, and after a moment, they followed him obediently. They spread out nervously in the forest. Almost at once, Jack found the dung and scattered roots that told of, of, told of pig, and soon the track was fresh. Jack signaled the rest of the hunt to be quiet and went forward by himself. He was happy and wore the damp darkness of the forest like his old clothes. He crept down to a slope of rocks and scattered trees by the sea. Keep an extremely close eye on the scene, okay, guys? And watch our characters and the choices they are making. Because they make some deliberate choices here, got it? The pigs lay, bloated bags of fat, sensuously enjoying the shadows under the trees. There was no wind and they were unsuspicious, and practice had made Jack silent as the shadows. He stole away again and instructed his hidden hunters. Presently, they all began to inch forward, sweating in the silence and heat. Under the trees, an ear flapped idly. A little part from the rest, sunk in deep maternal bliss, lay the largest sow of the lot. She was black and pink, and the great bladder of her belly was fringed with a row of piglets that slept or burrowed and squeaked. So they have found an entire big group of pigs, right? Which one are they sneaking up on? The mom. There's all of these pigs, and the one that they are choosing to sneak up on is the mom. What? How do we know she's a mom? She's not actually pregnant. She has all the little babies, right? All the little piglets are there. Okay? Fifteen yards from the drove, Jack stopped, and his arms straightening pointed at the sow. He looked round in inquiry to make sure that everyone understood, and the other boys nodded at him. A row of right arms slid back. Now! The drove of pigs started up, and at a range of only ten yards, the wooden spears with fire-hardened points flew towards the chosen pig. Pay attention here. One piglet, with a demented shriek, rushed into the sea, trailing Roger's spear behind it. What did Roger go for? He went for the baby. He didn't go for mom. Now, I want you to think about this choice, okay? When we talk about murderers, right, is there a difference in our eyes of killing a mom or killing a dad? Which one's considered worse? Why is killing a mom worse than killing a dad? Dad's a parent. So? So? That could. There's just something about a mom, right? I don't know if you really love them more, Carson, but I think there's just something about a mom, right? 
Okay. So the fact that out of all of these pigs, which one did they choose? The mom is, the, isn't that saying something about where these boys are? And then what does it tell us about Roger when he didn't choose the big pig? What did he choose? Going after children or babies? How do we view that as a society? As a society? Awful, right? Awful. And that is where he is. Okay, so if you guys look at the beginning of your workbook at that focus on um, allegory, and we have three things at the bottom. Roger represents one of those, and we're definitely seeing it here. You guys know what Roger represents? Look, I don't even know what page, but it's a focus on allegory at the very beginning that you guys wrote your very first essay over. Sadism. What does it mean to be sadistic? It's like you get pleasure out of cruelty. Okay? So if we've looked at Roger along the way, throwing rocks at Henry, okay? Um, he's just this, he's like this creepy kid that's quiet and he like moves around in the shadows and now he's attempting to, ki to kill a baby pig, right? So you can definitely put him down. Keep that out because we should start to sense who who's some of these other characters too, okay guys? Why would you think that Simon's the spiritual one? Because he's very profound, okay? I, you could definitely put him down, and we're definitely going to get some more of that, some more evidence of Simon representing spirituality. Yeah. So we said that uh, Roger represents sadism, and Simon, did I say that right? And Simon represents spirituality, and we're going to get more of that today. The sow gave a gasping squeal and staggered up with two spears sticking in her fat flank. The boy shouted and rushed forward. The piglets scattered and the sow burst the advancing line and went crashing away through the forest. After her, they raced along the pig track, but the forest was too dark and tangled so that Jack cursing stopped them and cast among the trees. Then he said nothing for a time but breathed fiercely so that they were awed by him and looked at each other in uneasy admiration. Presently, he stabbed down at the ground with his finger. There. Before the others could examine the drop of blood, Jack had swerved off, judging a trace, touching a bow that gave. So he followed mysteriously right and assured, and the hunters trod behind him. He stopped before a covert. In there. They surrounded the covert, but the sow got away with the sting of, an, yet an, of another spear in her flank. The trailing butts hindered her, and the sharp crisscross points were a torment. She blundered into a tree, forcing a spear still deeper. And after that, any of the hunters could follow her easily by the drops of vivid blood. The afternoon wore on, hazy and dreadful with damp heat. The sow staggered her way ahead of them, bleeding and mad. And the hunters followed, wedded to her in lust, excited by the long chase and the dropped blood. Have you guys ever heard of bloodlust? You have, Pacey? Can you explain what bloodlust is? It's like a strong desire for blood. Like they, they, like a lot of murderers and stuff have this desire to see all of this blood. So they will do a lot of harm to a body just to see all that blood. That's what these boys are doing right now. There's blood dripping off of this pig as she is trying to run away. And they are like in this frenzy following her. Okay. They are all worked up right now.
They could see her now, nearly got up with her, but she spurted with her last strength that held ahead of them again. They were, they were just behind her when she staggered into an open space where bright flowers grew and butterflies danced around each other and the air was hot and still. Where are they? They are right outside of Simon's sanctuary. Okay. So what is this an example of? What kind of irony is this? Anybody remember that? We know something the characters do not. Anybody remember what that's called? Which irony is that? Well, This is why I did not want to do that. Um, dramatic irony, you guys. Dramatic irony is when we know something characters do not. Okay? Okay, where am I? Oh, yeah. Here, struck down by the heat, the south fell, and the hunters hurled themselves at her. This dreadful eruption from an unknown world made her frantic. She squealed and bucked, and the air was full of sweat and noise and blood and terror. need you guys to look at the descriptions that William Golding's giving us. What's he creating here? The air was full of sweat and noise, blood and terror. Roger ran around the heap, prodding with his spear whenever pig flesh appeared. Jack was on top of the sow, stabbing downward with the knife. Roger found a lodgment for his point and began to push till he was leaning with his whole weight. The spear moved forward inch by inch, and the terrified squealing became a high-pitched scream. Then Jack found the throat, and the hot blood spouted over his hands. The sow collapsed under them, and they were heavy and fulfilled upon her. The butterflies still danced, preoccupied in the center of the clearing. At last, the immediacy of the kill subsided. The boys drew back, and Jack stood up, holding out his hands. Look. He giggled and flicked them while the boys laughed at his reeking palms. What's he doing right now? He's got blood all over his hands. Not the, not, this will not be the last story that we have with our one of our main characters' hands covered in blood. But what's he doing with it? He's like flicking it at these boys. Okay? They're, they're really enjoying this at this point. Okay? Have these boys come or fallen very far from humanity? Okay, they have definitely fallen from humanity. He giggled and flicked them while the boys laughed at his reeking palms. Then Jack grabbed Maurice and rubbed the stuff over his cheeks. Roger began to withdraw his spear and the boys noticed it for the first time. Robert stabilized the thing in a phrase which was received uproariously, right up her ass. Did you hear? Did you hear what he said? Right up her ass. This time Robert and Maurice acted the two parts. Ooh, they're doing that play acting again, you guys. That always goes over well with these boys, doesn't it? This time, Robert and Maurice acted the two parts, and Maurice was acting of the pig's efforts to avoid the advancing spear was so funny that the boys cried with laughter. At length, even this palled. Jack began to clean his bloody hands on the rock. Then he started to work on the sow and paunched her, lugging out the hot bags of colored guts, pushing them into a pile on the rock while the others watched him. He talked and he worked. We'll take the meat along the beach. I'll go back to the platform and invite them to a feast. 
That should give us time. Roger spoke. Chief? Huh? How can we make a fire? Look at what Roger just did there. What did he call Jack? Did they ever do that to Ralph? No, what did they call Ralph? They called him Ralph. They did not give him a title. Jack just got a title. Jack squatted back and frowned at the pig. We'll raid them and take fire. There must be four of you. Henry and you, Robert and Maurice. We'll put on paint and sneak up. Roger can snatch a branch while I say what I want. The rest of you can get this back to where we were. We'll build the fire here. And after that, he paused and stood up, looking at the shadows under the trees. His voice was lower when he spoke again. But we'll leave part of the kill for... He knelt down and was busy with his knife. The boys crowded around him. He spoke over his shoulder to Roger. Sharpen a stick at both ends. Presently, he stood up, holding the dripping sow's head in his hands. Where's that stick? Here. Ram one end into the earth. Oh, it's rock. Jam it in that crack there. Jack held up the head and jammed the soft throat down on the pointed end of the stick, which pierced through the mouth. He stood back and the head hung there, little blood dribbling down the stick. Have you heard this before? People putting heads on sticks? When? Way back in the day, right? Like in medieval times. What would they do that for? To dry them out? It's more of to show the enemies, look what we did. It basically says how many people they've killed, right? What's Jack using it as? Not really a threat. It's A, starts with an S. They don't want the beast to bother them, so what are they doing? They're leaving a piece of their kill for the beast. What's that called? Starts with an S. <laughs> Sharing. How about sacrifice? They're, they're like offering a sacrifice to the beast. They're almost treating it as a god, right? That's what a lot in Greek times they would offer things up to the gods so that the gods would be kind to them. Isn't that what they're kind of doing here? What? Yes, they're going to forget about the beast. Well, they can't, right? That beast represents what? Fear. It's a fear on the island. They, they cannot get rid of the fear. Instinctively, the boys drew back too, and the forest was very still. They listened, and the loudest noise was the buzzing of flies over the spilled guts. What have we not seen yet? Flies, and why, why does everybody keep asking me one of the flies coming in? The book's called Lord of the Flies, and this is the first time we've seen flies, right? Pay attention to our flies. Jack spoke in a whisper. Pick up the pig. Maurice and Robert skewered the carcass, lifted the dead weight, and stood ready. In the silence and standing over the dry blood, they looked suddenly furtive. Jack spoke loudly. This head is for the beast. It's a gift. You guys see the title of our, cap our chapter? It's a gift for the darkness. They're offering this head of the pig as a gift to the beast. The silence accepted the gift and awed them. The head remained there, dim-eyed, grinning faintly, blood blackening between the teeth. 
All at once, they were running away as fast as they could through the forest towards the open beach.